What is up and welcome back to Zen Business, the show that studies health and mindfulness habits that ultra high performers use to reach the top of their industry and their craft. I'm your host, Jonathan Maxim, Managing Director at K&J Growth Hackers and founder of five digital companies. We've grown these companies to great levels and created an exciting and fulfilling life for our team members, but the truth is it was much more challenging than we ever could have imagined. All right, now let's jump in. We are live. Now, so it's good to see you again after all this time. I'm glad you're actually here still. Yeah, you know, like we were saying before the uh, before we started rolling, the um, there's there's definitely a weird dynamic when when you move here and then you find your place and you get some momentum. All these people come out of the woodwork and are like hitting you up, and especially people who like want to move here or visit and stuff. It's like. I don't know. I, I was wondering if it was only me who experiences that, but I feel a little bit bad because I can't always make time for everybody who who wants to visit or like, you know, come be a part of, you know, whatever I have going on. But for the most part, I think it's because like everyone's just like working so hard. I mean, look at you, you know, you're you, you've got the show, but then you've got your brand, which we hopefully will talk about today and stuff. And it's just like got a girlfriend now, got to like, you know, all this other stuff, a clothing line coming out, or actually it's out now to a QVC, but it's like, oh, wow, I didn't know you had a clothing line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm a co-creator for the Menzuda line for QVC. So I actually had to fly to Philadelphia to go live for them one time or many times. I don't even know how many times, but the thing about was really, really weird. I tried to move to LA twice. Um, one with my girlfriend that we broke up seven years ago. We we're going to move here together. After we broke up, I came out here tried to reconnect with people, did the same thing that we were just talking about, which is try to connect with somebody and let them introduce you to people and get your placing here, right? Yeah. That didn't really work out. Then the second time I moved out here, I was actually what, what, what were the year marks? When did... So that was around 2013. Okay. Uh, oh, oh wow. no, no. I'm sorry, 2015. That was 2015. I'm sorry. When I so that was three years before I came here. Okay. Yeah, so I was trying to move here, and I was like, oh, man, I can't get my footing. And then I stayed back in Philadelphia for a little bit, got sober there. And this time around, it was more like people reached out to me saying, come out, come visit, come do this. Hey, meet these people. And I was like, so different. It was like more, I was welcome. And now when people reach out to me from friends or the past, and they say, hey, look, I'm coming to visit. I obviously, you know, if I'm available, I'll do it, but it's very little time I'm available. But then if other people are like, I want to move in, I, I, I'm going to move to LA, I need your help, or can you introduce, blah, blah, blah. I know they see me as like they're in to everything that I've gained access to, which I'm not saying is not wrong, but it's just like, I have to be careful because I don't even know these people anymore. Like, what are their intentions? I haven't seen you for six years. You know, now you want to come out and talk to me and hang out all of a sudden. Obviously, you know what's up. So I don't really trust those as much. Yeah, I think, you know, what what other reason would they hit you up other than I want to, like, ride your coattails in some way? I mean, just to take a step back. So a little snapshot of your life right now. You know, you're a star on a hit TV show, Bling Empire. You've got your own clothing brand now, like you mentioned, and you got the the drinks brand, and then you're, I'm sure you're doing acting and other stuff in, yeah. in the meantime. So it's you got a full time gig it's going on. Gig. But you know, but, when we first moved here, not together, but 
you know, well, first around, moved the here around the same time, it's like, I didn't have anything. I you know. And, and Frank, you didn't really have anything like this. I, I, I felt bad because I was like, man, I got to make Kevin feel more welcome here. Like I, I felt a personal obligation to it. And like, I just, I, I, I couldn't make all of it happen with all the things that I was pursuing and stuff. Exactly. And, and I mean, obviously it's great to reconnect now, but, um, but I was glad to see you still here doing your thing and evolving. That's the difference, right? Like, it's almost like when you move here to LA, you kind of got to give like maybe eight, one year grace period to see if someone's actually doing things for themselves first, you know, not yeah. just trying to let you do all the good work for them. And then they just come in and rock the world. So, but I understand that happens and people get lucky, but I, I just don't have the time a lot of times to do this stuff. And then what ends up happening is if this person's changed after a couple of years or Hollywood or LA changes them, right. Then I feel a little bit of responsible to, oh, I brought this person into the friend group. Yeah. And then you find out years later that they were real assholes to the whole group. Yeah. You know? So what 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 did the what did the journey look like for you um between when you moved here and now today, like let's just say, you know, Bling Empire? Oh God. When I first moved here, from when I first moved here, it was from a music video I did to all of a sudden meeting some of the producers who were actually not producers really yet. They were more friends <laughs> then they became producers of the show yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Of Bling Empire? Of Bling Empire. Okay. And then, um, you know, we got a year to hang out and I thought I was leaving to Southeast Asia. I kept telling them, I was like, I'm only here for temporary, you know? And then I'm gonna go to Southeast, Southeast Asia, become a star, you know? Mm. Or restart my modeling career because I was so sick and tired of acting. I mean, like, I was literally really? an actor since 2008 trying to do something. Then Crazy Rich Asians hit. Then there was an explosion for Asian talent all of a sudden. Then Bling Empire was happening. It was just a concept when I moved here. And then from there, I felt this journey of excitement. Then we started filming. And I was like, man, this is a real thing. Like, these people are super wealthy. Plus... We're making a show. It's cool. Yeah, and it's a legit show. It's a legit show. Legit producers, everything. And it actually kind of legitimized a lot of people on the show who were trying to make something for themselves, yeah. right? Um, and when that happened, it was super exciting. This was pre-COVID. Then COVID hit. And this is where I had to really like lean into faith, higher power, everything. Because during COVID, because during COVID you know, there was a lot of hate against Asians for a long time. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of it because we were being blamed, even as Asian Americans, for the pandemic. And so my whole... Asia's like the largest freaking continent in the world. <laughs> it's like all these different cultures and peoples. So there's a lot of things going through my head and even in, in, in Netflix's head where they're like, maybe we should delay this a little bit, the release. Yeah. You know, so it got delayed. Came out in January. Then even from the Asian community, we are being pigeonholed as like oh bad timing worst show ever and then it hit and it actually became a great show and then wow. everybody else watched it first then the asian community heard about it and then they enjoyed it and embraced it so it's kind of crazy to have these conversations before of like hey this was such an innocent project that wanted to represent me and my community in reality tv space on a global platform to all of a sudden feeling like, oh my God, I just made the biggest mistake of my life. And then to all of a sudden being the most celebrated thing in a long time. 
Um, you know, we'll wow. always be known as the first all Asian American reality show on Netflix. Like, and that's not something very spoken about in the community, you know, even though it's a big show to now all of a sudden having two more seasons to now being in a place where I get to do things like be here in front of you, speak about my beverage and even clothing line and a new relationship. But then also to now having a little bit of fear of well, what's next and what am I without the show? Will there be something bigger my way? Um, Cause we don't even know if we have another season, you know, we won't know for a little while and it's just kind of crazy to sit in this uncertainty for a long time. Well, you've definitely had a good run in what, four seasons now? Three seasons. Three seasons. Three yeah. seasons. So, I mean, that's that's the at least the beginning of a full life cycle of a show. So that's some pretty good run time. So I would definitely, um, you know, congratulate yourself for that. Yeah. Um, but I, I think it's like, you know, looking back on our stories, it's like we almost it's almost endearing to look at the challenges that we experienced while, while they were happening, like the, the Asian hate during COVID it's, it's really painful. And like, you know, those E true Hollywood stories, if you will, of like that come up, it's, it's just, it's so easy to like gloss over the journey. You know, I can look back and be like, Oh, we got TikTok as a client and everything changed. But I remember at the time, like, first of all, it was during COVID and it was a really stressful time. You know, I was taking calls with Beijing at like two in the morning, my time regularly. So like, what are, what are some of those stories for you? Like, what are the most poignant uh, moments or the most even painful moments that like you felt were formative oh, yeah. in this experience? Look, when I first moved to LA, when you first met me, I, I had a suitcase and a backpack, you know, typical story, crashed on people's couches, couches for a while. Uh, never tried to fake it till I made it type of thing though. You know, people knew I was like just new starting off. Didn't go that LA route and get a car to try to impress people <laughs> or a house and go in debt. I was like, hey, I'm crashing, you know, like this is this is my journey. Yeah. And so uh, I had these moments of, man, am I making a mistake? And then I had to really lean into my faith and just ask for signs. Like, please just give me a sign that I'm supposed to be doing this. And sometimes I remember there was just overwhelming energy i can't explain it right it's the great mystery of life right there's this moment where i just broke down cried prayed just give me a sign i have no clue what i'm doing why i'm here is this show even gonna happen uh and then i get i look at my email and it's a message from the producer saying netflix and amazon and all these other networks want to buy our show uh, by the show. It's not my show. Wow, it's got goosebumps. Crazy, right? I was like, literally, it was just one of those moments. Give me a sign. And I'm not saying signs like, show me my favorite number in the sky, you know, or <laughs> give me a bird chip, like chirping in the background, stuff like that. But it was a real sign. And I was like, okay, I'm on the right path. So when I get in those moments, I ask for a solid, solid sign. Before I moved to LA, my parents, my sponsor back at home were kind of questioning me more and not in a bad way. They want to make sure I, I, I thought this well, well thought out. Yeah. I asked for a sign. So I was like, fuck, I have no clue what I'm doing. Just show me a sign. Speak to me. Right. But not speak to me. Like you said my, this in the form of a prayer, a prayer, just like in sending out intention, sending out an intention. That's a great way to put it. Um, and I, I literally kind of laugh at people who like see 
numbers and stuff like that right <laughs> um because i'm just like oh my god like i i feel crazy like i feel like yeah. i'm making stuff up but i said just speak to me if i'm meant to go back if i'm meant to go to la right now so i go downstairs i look through a box of like play cards that i haven't seen since i was in like ninth grade and i open it up because i'm going to bring it to la and it's an article that I haven't seen since I was in eighth grade. And it was me going to a tennis camp. And the article literally read, California, here he comes. Kevin Kreider is coming <laughs> to California on August 16th. And my flight was like August 15th. So it was like mind blowing to me that it literally like spoke to me. It was a sign. That was a message more than a sign. So I guess the thing is I look for messages, not so much signs, I guess, which could be turned into a sign. But, um, you know, I don't I don't really look for numerology, even though that's a way for people to look at signs. I, I literally look for just and speak to me. I'm, I'm one of those guys that I'm like, don't hit me over the head. Yeah, hit me <laughs> over the head with this shit. Like, don't 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 massage it or kind of, you know, yeah. singing in a song for me, you know. Have you, have you read uh, The Alchemist? Yes, I read The Alchemist a couple so he's, times. He's, he, you know, he's picking up these omens along the way or mm -hmm. signs or messages. And, um, you know, I think that's, it, it, it's interesting because a lot of times it's nuanced. You want it as a, you know, two by four to the head, but it's really often not that, right? It's often not. But the thing is, when it is, you know. It's like, boom. So boom. Uh, what was, when, when did that moment come with, with Bling Empire, like what was the moment where it went from, I'm pushing this huge rock up the hill to, wow, we're actually doing it. Was it yeah. that email? It was It was that email. And then after COVID, it was just more like that doubt of, you know, Hollywood, they could do something and then also never show it. And it turned out to be a great production. It turned out to be something great. Then it turned into, will we get a second and third season? Everybody assured me around me, yeah, we'll get one. You know, the numbers are just too good. It's so wow. innovative. And then now we're at the same stage of season four. Like, and, you know, we're getting uh, some good feedback and people are like, yeah, I mean, the numbers are good. There's no reason not to have a season four. But, you know, that's where those the are the signals. Well, right, right. I haven't asked for signals yet. Um, and, and the reason why it's because actually I've, I've come to a point in my life right now where, um, if I'm starting to doubt too much of what's supposed to be laid for me, then it means I've lost a little bit of trust and faith. Yeah. Right? So maybe part of me is kind of what we talk about. Keep your head down. Just focus on what you want to do. The rest will follow. Um, I've gotten to a point in my, my, my life in sobriety now where when I have those anxious, panicky fears, talk to my sponsor, pray about it. I have a girlfriend now to talk about stuff with. Um, she's actually very level-headed when it comes to these things. And, you know, I do feel like I'm stronger with someone. Um, and I think the difference now with dating for me is that it doesn't mean I'm not, I couldn't do this alone. It's just that, why would I want to, if that makes sense? Yeah. Th there's a lot of, uh, components of this that I want to deconstruct, but, um, I, I do want to talk about how being sober has cleared up your spirit to, to receive those signals. That's one thing, but, um, <laughs> In, in regard to relationships, as an as an alpha male, you're naturally going to be thinking a lot of like how instead of um, what's the feeling here, what's the emotion, and and I think that your counterpart, your you know your partner, your, your girlfriend can really help you lean into that the emotional guidance system, right? Like 
she's going to soften you up in that moment to say like, well, how does this feel? Yeah. Because that's not natural for us, you know? It isn't. But actually during sobriety, I actually started to lean into that part more. Like when I first got sober in 2015, I don't know about you, because you don't drink that much either right now, right? I'm pretty like, much sober at this point. Honestly, it gives me such a higher state of clarity and a higher state of awareness. It's like, yeah. it's almost like just by removing that negative, uh, you know, factor, my overall spiritual awareness yeah. has increased. And I don't know if you've ever heard this from drinkers, but they always say, well, you need to numb yourself a little bit. I, I, I've been told that a lot. Like, alcohol is a numbing thing. You need to numb yourself. Things get too crazy. You need to yeah. numb. And I'm like, that's the problem is that we're cultured to think it's okay to numb and things will be better. Um, we see as alcohol as a coping thing or a way to become somebody that we think we want to be because it, you know, makes us a better person, more fun. It enables that. And that's the thing that was the lie for me. It worked for a while, but then it stopped working. And then it actually made me even worse. And so I would make even decisions when I was drinking back then. You know, I remember going to a casting really hungover. I finished a bottle of bourbon at 4 a.m. with a friend of mine. I had three Lord. castings. For some reason, I got lucky and booked all three castings. So what happened then? I took that one chance that was lucky, and I drank before. And I was like, why am I not booking work? It had worked once, you know? <laughs> and then it's like, that's what I mean. Like, I, I was so assured of myself to point where it was the fault and was not willing to listen to feedback or anything when I was drinking. I made decisions when I was drinking, you know, and it was always never that great back on. Yeah. So that intuition, actually, I started to not trust myself my first year of sobriety because everything I realized I thought was true was not true. And then when you start going through a 12-step program and getting a spiritual experience or, you know, in, in some communities here, I find um, that I'm actually close with some of the people. They find um, psychedelic community that's very spiritually aligned, too. And they get a big realization, too, and, and uh, this faith and higher power and just whatever. And um, I found that to be scary because I was like, oh, my God, my intuition was wrong this whole time. Can I even trust myself? But then as I stayed sober longer, I started to realize, no, this is the new intuition. This is me. I was just numbing it the whole time with alcohol. So and I was doing it with food too, by the way. You know, so food, alcohol was my, my vices, sugar. And then um, wow. I started to actually be able to trust my intuition a lot more. And now I kick myself in the ass when my intu intuition was right the first time. And I don't follow it. Yeah, because there's there's... Kevin, who you are without all of these outside influences. And then there's Kevin, who you were presenting yourself as when you had some kind of influences. And so that you're, you're trusting basically a different body of intuition. 100%. And um, yeah, I think a bit like uh, the, the less outside agents that we have in our life, the more the more we can like, I, I think of it like a, a window that has dirt on it and we squeegee away the layers of, of dirt until we get to our, our pure spirit, right? And with all these distractions and stuff, they they basically just cloud that window. Um, that, man. So I, I want to lean into the faith stuff a little bit. So uh, how, do, how do you connect with 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 source with god and and you know what 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 is like how do you get there you know what's the conversation the spiritual conversation look like so spiritual the energetic feeling yeah so that was really really clear to me in the beginning of sobriety my beginning of my journey into faith and 
sobriety and higher power, God, so clear, right? It feels like a lightning bolt goes through you. Now it's not so much, right? Now it's just what is. It's almost like this, like, when did you move here? It felt great in the beginning. Yeah. I can relate to that in my new apartment that I just moved into. I actually have my own one bedroom now. It's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. It was amazing. It feels so good. It just becomes what it is, though. But yeah. it doesn't mean you don't have gratitude for it. And you don't acknowledge that this is such an amazing place we are in. So that's what it feels like now to me. You know, it's just what it is. I have a higher power. I have a faith. I have a spiritual connection. Now what's happening with me is trying to bring that into work business, life, how I conduct myself in business. Because how I conduct myself as a sober person with my sober community was easy. Now, the next step after that was how do I conduct myself with my family? How do I do it with friends, romantic relationships? The third layer for me now is how do I do this in business? And that's the tricky part in sobriety because a lot of people who think they get sober or people who don't know what sobriety is, they think, oh, well, Making money's bad then, right? Because you you have a faith. It's like, no, there's faith and there's spirituality and God and money and in business and the relationships. Because if you really look down at it, business and money is just people. Like this is an exchange yeah, of energy right or now. something, right? Yeah. Just business, right? And so when you look at big corporate people too, they have a lot of people just working underneath them or for them, whatever. I like to say for them because I'm a business owner. I have a lot of people working with me. So that is energy, that's faith. And so now I'm trying to tap into that more of abundance and, and the universe just having things for me, you know, in abundance. And that's my next step. It's beautiful. Yeah, I mean, that's the whole premise of the show is zen, that's why I, zen to be here. I know it's it's a perfect fit and i think um how did you do it well for me all, all my biggest breakthroughs have come through in moments of spiritual awareness inspiration uh or some kind of divine interaction um i personally i've, I've done ayahuasca twice and i've done uh psilocybin mushrooms probably like 10 times over the years and I don't do it in a party setting. I yeah. I actually close all the windows and I set, I first I cater to my five senses. I, I make sure the lighting, the sight is on target. So like, you know, you can see there's lights and stuff around here. It sets the do mood. you have a spiritual guide or do you do this? I did for a long time. Um well yeah, actually I actually do. He's a um, he's a hypnotherapist. Mm, gotcha. His name is John Sahaki. I'm really, really good guy. Um so I, I see him bi weekly. Um and he kind of it, all of our body of work together is is that state of presence and, and being with like the original you know core soul that I am um, and he kind of helps tune me to that and he he also acts as a, a conductor or a navigator in my journeys and stuff I bring the insights back to him and I make sure that I'm not taking stuff too literally and, mm -hmm. and things like that um, and I, I do believe in having an outside third party even if I mean, he happens to be very next level, um, but, you know, anybody who is objective, I think, is a value. But um, so I, I set the the sound so I get the right music and I got a really nice sound system. I, I put like some Sonos in with the subwoofer and stuff because it kind of gets that like earthy ground tone to the music. And then I so it's sights, sounds, smells, touch. And then I do yoga. Um, yoga is the touch aspect of it for me. And so it's it's this uh, 
you know, four or five hour experience of me doing yoga, journaling, praying, meditating, and um, bi-weekly, not every day. Oh, no, no, no. I, I meet with my coach every two weeks. Um, but this is every day then. <laughs> no. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, this, the, these journeys are typically quarterly for me. Gotcha. Because gotcha. that's, that's usually after the kind of insights and like breakthroughs that I have in an experience like that, I need time to integrate them. Right. So I don't, I don't want to do it too often and like overwhelm myself. But um, I'll do yoga and I'll, you know, basically be tripping and I've had experiences where God brings me to my knees and makes me just wait for hours. <laughs> I've had experiences where he gave me an opportunity to have a meeting or an interaction with him. So I've actually met spiritually with God um, two times that I can recall off the top of my head. And and that's how I facilitate it is by doing, uh, you know, hours. I, I do hours of fasting and quiet time and journaling before I start the journey. And then I go into it and, and then... And then I have those moments, it's, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's almost like this, uh, the, these two energetic lights hit each other where like my spirit connects to the source energy. Um, and so that's my, the latest iteration of my business was designed in one of these experiences. I had a, a breakthrough where, you know, at least in the case of my business, we had like 20 clients and 20 campaigns, 20 marketing campaigns. And I figured out a way to consolidate all of the campaigns. So just one campaign feeding 20 clients. So now 90% of our work is reduced. So that was a big breakthrough that I had there. But there's also been other moments like releasing addiction for the the first probably like five to 10 years of my adulthood, I was either smoking cigarettes or a vape. And um, the psychedelics are how I uh, got rid of that addiction. Yeah, It, it was basically no, like a calling. Great, because I hear a lot about ayahuasca actually for addiction. I actually got... Not exposed because I never did it, but like introduced to ayahuasca and psychedelics in a non-party setting, right? Yeah, <laughs> so I think not I don't recommend that yeah. party setting. Um, when I moved here and and already had a few years of sobriety under my belt, um, and I think for me, I had to question myself of, is this my addiction side? Yeah, wanting... that that's that's kind of the tough question. That that is the 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 problem that I had with. Uh, questioning if I wanted to do psychedelics because I'm just looking for more. You know, that's what addiction is. It's the addiction of more, but it becomes over unmanageable, that is. Um, and I had to question myself a lot. And yeah. I realized I'm just more curious. I think it wasn't a calling, if that makes sense. Because I know a lot of people who are drawn towards those ayahuasca journeys. It's a calling for you, right? Yeah, and and when the timing is right, you'll feel called to it. It won't be from a vice's perspective, yes, right? Because there is a euphoric aspect to doing psychedelics or any other kind of you know exogenous thing, but um, that is really it's, it's not a source of thrill for me. Honestly, I don't even look forward to like you get like some kind of body high and stuff like that. I don't really look forward to that. I look forward to the moment of connection. So. Um, you know, I think when the timing is right, your spirit will feel called to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but one, one of the things that keeps coming up in my journeys is vices, right? Chasing thrills and whether you're, you're numbing yourself to become somebody else with alcohol or whether you're, you're using sugar. I always get messages around sugar's tough, like the vice of, you know, eating really rich foods, eating sugars, nicotine, uh, Porn and women are, are definitely a theme that comes up. Like, you, you can't be a slave to your vices. And so 100%. when I have those experiences, uh, the source or God says, you know, if you want to 
if you want to get to the next level of you, you have to let go of those demons. And your demons are your weaknesses. And your weaknesses are the times that you are giving way to some um, like momentary vice. Yeah. And I think that's where I realized with my community and uh, the Asian community, especially, we have so much abundance, but then there's also a lot of wealth disparity, right? Just like any other yeah. place in the world, it seems like now. But I wanted to create more of a movement to do with less, without things, you know, without alcohol, becoming more minimalistic. Doesn't mean the stuff you wear isn't expensive, right? Or uh, it's just, can we do with a little bit less in life? And can we be happier? And the answer is actually normally yes. Uh, and I think that's where I'm at in my life, kind of like what you were. Like I stopped watching porn years ago because I realized it was over, it was too much. Like it's 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 a focus. It's it's a it's a way that when I felt crappy about myself or felt depressed or lonely, I went right to it or yeah. masturbating. And I was just like, this isn't healthy. Why is this controlling me so much? Yeah, you realize that you're you're a, a slave to it in some way. Right. It, it it gets you while you're down when you're not feeling good about yourself and offers you a little moment of pleasure and thrill yeah and you can push the envelope and nobody will see and, and stuff the weird part too is i don't know if you've ever experienced this but there's a light to certain people like i can see it in you right there's a light that gets turned on when these vices and you get connected and i found that when i got back to porn or masturbating just mindlessly at one point that light turned off I got a little bit like sadder, a little bit like my energy was off. And it's weird because you don't notice that when you're doing it, but that's actually your way of being. You just don't notice it. Yeah, but then when you have the other side, that light I was speaking about, and you go back to it, you see it, you feel it. Yeah, it all kind of goes back to like the, the glass that has been fogged up or dirtied mm -hmm. by all these other outside things. And, you know, the... The moments of most happiness in my life are moments where I was actually connecting with nature. I was on a beach or I was like walking barefoot or I was, you know, looking up at the amazing sky and stuff like that. And I realized in those moments that not, none of these, this is, I, I think this is why people become monks because you realize that those things are actually all, they provide a, a short-term thrill, but they ultimately um, spiritually weigh you down. Um, so uh, as, as far as the sobriety thing, uh, Alcohol was your vice? Oh, man. I call myself an addict. It wasn't just drinking. It was thrill-seeking. It was changing careers or relationships. It was women. It was uh, food, right? It was working out. Wow. It was everything. Like, if it wasn't one thing or two things at once, it was everything or none or, like, for example, it was extremes, right? It was, like, going yeah. fasting or uh, wow. trying to go to India to go on psychedelics on a whim like that, right, with no spiritual guidance whatsoever. It's just because I read a book. <laughs> you know, it was, like, a lot of that stuff. And so it was everything. Um, I think I was just a little bit more aware that, um, God, man, if it's not alcohol, it's something. Yeah. And so I needed help. And the reason why I chose um, sobriety as the main one is because I felt like it was just recovery. It was just a way to recover from all of these harms and addictions that I didn't realize were building up so much. And a lot of this was um, in this 12-step program, there's a way to clean your past up, right? And, and to try to 
not continue that path of of addiction. And so when it's you a chase, you're constantly chasing. Right. So and now instead you're going in the past and you're amending things. And so um that really helped a lot because I think as human beings we have no choice in a good way to have a conscious, to have a moral compass. And so when we um contradict that, I think there's just a huge weight that just keeps building on us. It's like kind of adding a pound a day. Yeah. You know, when you're overweight or getting obese, you only notice it when you're in the hospital or when you lose like 20 pounds. You're like, holy cow, I got so much more energy. I'm walking on sunshine. Yeah, you're walking on sunshine. You're like, man, like not holding 30, 50 pounds, 100 pounds on me, such a big difference in life. Yeah. It's kind of like that. That's how it feels when you can clean your past and you can go towards. You, you, you take off this load that you've been carrying all this time. Mm-hmm which is your past and all your regrets and burn bridges and whatever you wanted to deal with. And then it's just your, your lighter going forward. I think you just strike me as somebody who has a really high state of awareness and you realize that you were falling victim to those vices. But I think a lot of people probably have similar vices and don't think they're addicted. Right. But it's also too, because we normalize it. Like, oh, yeah, it's completely acceptable. Right, so acceptable. So, but also too, I'm not free of addictions, you know, like, and I think that's... Yeah, that's all on the spectrum too, because I don't, I consider myself to have addictions too. Like one of my vices is I work a lot. I get a lot of thrill out of work and winning. And winning <laughs> is basically like the the counterpart to, to losing. So of course there's some insecurity compensation that happens every time that you win. It's, well, the secret to being highly successful, I heard, is to be insecure. That's what drives us, you know? <laughs> Financial insecurity, not feeling like we're important or feeling like uh, we belong. It's all insecurity of some sort, not good yeah. enough. And I think that's okay, but once you reach the, uh, I don't wanna say apex, but a, a, the, the turning point in your career and in your self-actualization, you can start doing stuff from a place of abundance and positivity rather than out of 100%. fear. And then and then you can actually pursue things that you like rather than things that you you know are are doing out of like the lower things in the hierarchy, the Maslow's hierarchy. Um yeah. so that, that kind of leads me to to the business. So now I mean I, I didn't realize that you had two businesses. I mean you you know, bright and shining lights star on Netflix, but you've you've also got these two two brands. So can you tell me about Sans? Like what's what's yeah. the story there? What's the what's the origin story first? Well, it, the origin story is very much what we were just talking about this whole time, which is just my sobriety, addiction, recovery. And I've been sober for almost seven years now. And so what I realized is the hardest part of getting sober was obviously not just staying away from this for a while, but where do I go and where do I belong with uh, places that have drinks in it? You know, mm-hmm. you don't want to hide and isolate and what represents me. And so I was like, well, there's a movement going on of people not drinking, but you know, it's kind of the movement of just people who just don't drink much. So there wasn't anybody who's like sober. That that symbolizes that movement. So this symbolizes that movement. Well, shall we have a drink? Yeah, sure. And that you know, the best part about this is that it resembles me in a can. Like not only like it's a beautiful sober. can. Thank you, man. Cheers. Cheers. Um but it represents like my health and wellness background from like 10 years ago of being a personal trainer, knowing the best ingredients that go in it. I also want it to be natural and I also don't want it to taste like alcohol. Wow. So it's dragon ginger. Sparkling. 
Um, <laughs> that's how I like it. That's how I like it too. But the reason why I chose this too is because I wanted to rep- represent me as an Asian guy, um, bringing some Asian flavors and also just dragon make, fruit. Yeah, just making it more of a placement too. So you don't feel awkward and you also have some health benefits to it. But more importantly, wow, so it's actually really healthy. Yeah. But more importantly, I want the message to empower and normalize sobriety and people who don't drink. Because the first thing that I thought about before I got sober, which a lot of people do, is my God, you must have had like a needle in your arm under a bridge, homeless, (laughs) blah, blah, blah. Or like, you must have been really awful. You must be an awful human being. Or like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like, it's okay if I drink around you, blah, blah. Like, all these things, like, were like, not fun. We just have cats that live on our lap and we don't go out. And stone cold sober. Right. And by the way, we're not successful. We kind of just live a normal life. And it's just like, actually, we live a life beyond our wildest dreams. Yeah, I mean, look at yours. You're a glaring example of that. And that's the thing. It's like, we don't have enough people that represent that. We don't have any brands or products or anything out there that represent us. And so I want to go out there and, and change that image. And actually, our buddy James um, from back in Philly and I, like, we talked about that years ago. We're like, why don't people know that people in recovery are highly successful, funny, got, you know, got game of girls even, <laughs> right? Like, God forbid. He did, yeah, because he, God forbid, we actually, you know, talk to girls and, and, and like dating and stuff like that. Uh, and are successful and have cool lives because why don't people know? And it all went back to our traditions and, and recovery, right? We can't, it's, an, it's supposed to be an anonymous program. Mm-hmm. But it got to a point where we're like, okay, we're just protecting your anonymity. If you, Jonathan, are in recovery, don't out them and be like, First and last name. Somebody's <laughs> in, it's, like, it's not supposed to be that. Yeah. And plus, in the beginning of AA, uh, they didn't have enough manpower to help all of the alcoholics that were out there. So they actually needed to slow people coming in because there just wasn't enough. Huge influx of people. Now there's so much out there that it's like, is that still applicable? And the answer to us is, at least for me, is like, no, not for me. So I don't mind going out there breaking my anonymity, saying I'm an alcoholic, I'm in a 12-step program, I'm in recovery. You know, I just don't drag the name down with me. Yeah. It's more like I I have recovery and this is me. And so I just want people to see us as real people who have extraordinary lives because we most of us do. And so a lot of people in Bling Empire thought, oh my God, this guy must party a lot. Look at him. He's like dancing, yeah, partying. Right, right. I'm not drinking. I'm sober. I'm drinking his hands. Yeah, drink his hands. Like this being sober, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I know it lets me be the man that I always wanted to be the person, the charming, the fun, the present, you know, mm-hmm. the caring person. It wasn't alcohol. It did the opposite for me. So I think um, for me, it's my mission is to show and not tell, right? And just to be the message of sobriety, and but also to embody it in something. Yeah, and now we have something that we can visually associate with it. Yeah. Beautiful design, by the way. And sans obviously means without. Without. So yeah. it's you, you know, can do great, great story without. That's the yeah. whole thing. 
And so tell me about the adaptogens. Do they kind of calm your nerves? Like what's the mechanism there? It's the L-theanine does. Um, and especially when it's mixed with caffeine. I love L-theanine. Yeah, you know how L-theanine sometimes, or too much caffeine can make you jittery, but yeah, with L-theanine gets you a lot calmer. Um, green tea, based out to, at green tea, based out of green tea is what it is. That oh, okay. So does this have caffeine in it? No caffeine. Ginseng is the most stimulant type of thing. Um, the only thing that ginseng really does is kind of uh, revitalizes you more than anything. So it's more of a long-term effect, a restorative thing. And that's what we want. And people love ginseng, but, you know, in a lot of brands, they don't put enough ginseng to actually give you enough benefits. Mm. So if you look at a lot of health drinks out there, they say it's ginseng, but it's hidden with proprietary blends. And you're like, well, how much is in there? And it's like, they won't tell you. Proprietary blend. They don't, don't want to put that much in it because it's expensive. It's expensive, yeah. And then it brings up their cost of goods too much. They can't make a profit. So we're like, actually, we're going to do the opposite. We're going to give you the amount that you want. Might be a little expensive, but it's worth it for us. Uh, we want to give you the best stuff. And so that's where I came from in, in putting those two ingredients. And I also didn't want you to wake up and be wired at night either. Yeah. Um, and that's where I think Sans was born. And so that's the message I want to bring. And I see that there's such a growing community wanting something like this. And uh, I think uh, it's just a time before bars and restaurants all have to have something. Yeah, some alternative beverages. I think, I think that... Uh... As a society, I, we are moving away from alcohol, no doubt. And LA is the the birthplace of a lot of these movements, and that's always cool to see because we're you know we get to see it and taste it first. Yeah. But uh, when I'm talking to friends about it, like just the way that alcohol makes you feel, the way that it makes you act and excess, and like it's a I call it a low frequency technology, a low frequency <laughs> drug. It's just. It's very brute force. It's like bust a hole in a wall type of behavior. And it reminds me of like, um, like workers on the railroad in the industrial era. Like that's, that's like the level of advancement that I think alcohol serves. You know, that's the technology. That's, that's when that technology itself was relevant. And a lot of us are growing out of that. I mean, it just, it lowers your awareness, makes you tired, makes you grumpy. And like, you know, even going to parties, I'm not going to lie. I get a little anxious because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be around alcohol. I don't want to be around a bunch of drinking because people are probably going to make me feel bad for not drinking that much and stuff. And, you know, like if, if I feel like I, you know, maybe want to have a drink, I'll have like a maximum of a couple because it's just, it just, it doesn't like, it doesn't feel good to me. Right, um, right. Just, just my fiance and I were watching a show last night and she's like, oh, I hate alcohol. <laughs> What was it called? <laughs> I, we were just watching some show and she just mumbled to herself, oh, I hate alcohol. Mm. And it's like, uh, it, it's this, this, it's really something that brings joy to me because as a society, we're becoming so much more aware. Now that meditation and stuff are mainstream, people are realizing like, damn, that shit was pretty damaging. Well, it's kind of like nicotine, right? Or cigarettes. Promising. Cigarettes, very low frequency. Promising to be cool, right? Part of the group, the cool group, the, the rebellious type. Um, Doesn't it piss you off a little bit? Yeah, because I call them the false promises. You know, in uh, recovery, there's something called the promises. Happy, joy is free, right? We thought the same thing with smoking. And then find out it kills you, right? And then same thing with alcohol. We were, we were promised get the girl, get the job. Be loved, funny, yeah. cool, live a life of luxury. <clears throat> then you realize, oh my God, 
the more I keep drinking, the less this happens. The less of that stuff happens. happens. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is that? Yeah. And uh, I think that's where we want to come in as a brand. We're going to show the real promises. You know, you can do all of that stuff, but without it. Yeah, I mean, the, I, the, there's this uh, philosopher that I follow, Alan Watts, and yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah, so he, his whole story is like, you don't need to meditate, you don't need to do yoga. All you need to do is just be, and like when you strip everything away, that's when you can be just fully. And when you're like at a party and you're, let's just say, drinking Nissans and like you're just feeling a state of, uh, you know, you're nourished and you're feeling good. Like you're confident and you're talkative. Like if you're feeling good, you don't need some social lubricant. You're just being you, and the natural you is, you know, wherever you stand on that spectrum. So it's all it's always fascinating to me because uh, I think a lot of people use alcohol as a you know to take the edge off socially. But once you kind of grow up and self actualize, you realize you don't need that. You're plenty just as you are. Itself. It's just that I think we were cultured and socialized to believe we're not enough without it or you know sell alcohol right and i'm not even saying that it doesn't work for some people because i have some people in my life who can literally just have a glass or a couple sips you know and they just like whatever but if you take away the alcohol most people wouldn't drink it because they want the effect anyway like if you really think about it alcohol kind of tastes crappy tastes like gasoline most of the time (laughs) right but we're cultured to think i mean i remember when i had my first cigarette i was like it burnt my lungs. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to try it again. It's like, no, it's supposed to be cool. And then you get used so to it. So crazy right? to look back on that. Yeah, same thing with alcohol. It's like you first taste it, you're like, blah. And then you realize, oh, shit, I feel something. I want that same effect. It's the only reason why we drink. Yeah. And, and to feel like we belong. But why don't we have just belonging? Why don't we just belong? Yeah. <laughs> So, so so what's up with the uh, with the clothing brand now? I want to hear about oh, this, so the yeah, second that's venture. That's a co-creatorship with a, a, a QVC line called Zuda. It's a menswear. So it's more of a, I just represent it. I help design it. Um, what's the brand called? Zuda. Zuda, Zuda, Zuda. is the brand. Okay. Yes. And are you wearing Zuda right now? I am not, actually. This Damn it. Is actually, I know, right? That would have been <laughs> great if I... I'm very good at product placement, dude. Come on, we need a shameless plug here. I know, seriously. But it's like, you know, the thing about Zuda, it's more like for me for like lounging, mm. like going on an airplane or working out. This is kind of like my work clothes because this is pretty baggy, you know, from what I'm used to. And so I like to uh, wear like more loose-fitted clothes. Uh, Zuda's kind of in between, though, actually. Got it. Um, but I actually got approached by them because uh, you know I'm from Philly, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm athletic, and they're like, "This is perfect." Is that Philly-based brand? Philly-based brand. QVC is, and so oh, that's right, QVC and as seen on TV, yeah. they're both there. It's ironic too because I left Philly to do this, <laughs> to be like the face of my own brand, yeah. a brand, and then I live in LA, and they're like, "Hey, you want?" It? I was like. I thought I had to leave. Like, and it's all in my hometown. Yeah, it's weird how it works. It is weird how it works. So I'm going back to Philly. I'm going to go on QVZ, represent it at some point. Nice. Um, coming up soon. More airtime, too. More airtime. And I, I just love the fact that I can represent something back in my hometown. Our hometown, Philly, right? Yeah. It's pretty cool. So, um, yeah, man. Like, so many magical things happened in the last few years. Once you get sober, once you get spiritual, yeah. once you start working hard and applying yourself, stuff just seems to happen, right? It seems like common sense, but it's not. Right? 
And then, then that's kind of why I get pissed off because I'm like, what have, what have we been told all this time? And, and part of me is like, whatever, like, that's what we knew at the time, you know, at, what we knew. at one point doctors were prescribing cigarettes, right? Like, obviously they cause cancer now, so we learn better, but... Um, I didn't even know that was the case. They were prescribing at some point? Yeah, I think they were prescribing it for constipation. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, if you watch Mad Men, the show, they're like, you know, smoking on set and they're smoking in the office and stuff like that. I so know, watching that, didn't it make you want to smoke again? Yeah, yeah it was like, exactly. It made it seem so cool. Um, so first of all, where can, where can we get Sands? So it's mostly in California right now, Los Angeles and San Francisco, but you can get it directly online from us. Okay. And is it in stores or in bars? Uh, it's in some restaurants and it's in some retail stores. So just ask for it. Boissant is another retailer that we're in in California okay. that they only do non-alc. So we're nice. in there as well. Few uh, uh, stores here for restaurants. We're coming to 99 Ranch pretty soon in California. And then direct to consumer. And we hope to be able to really hit all the restaurants, the lounges, anywhere that, you know, normally alcohol served. We're even looking at even going into some raves around here. Wow. Because it's like, you know, they don't serve alcohol there. Oh, most raves. True, yeah. You know, so it's like, why don't kind we? Kind of perfect for the job. Yeah, considering. No, right? It's like, why don't you want to party without alcohol? So uh, now looking forward, like, What's the what's the next year look like for you? What are your you know if you could wave a magic wand, where would you be a year from now? A year from now, I'd love to have Sans fully up and running. I'd love to be in thousands of retail stores, bars, restaurants. Uh, we're raising a, a round right now to be fully funded. Beautiful. Hopefully, maybe on a salary, which would be great. Have a team that's on salary and really be profitable. Um, and moving forward to actually be in the hands of millions of consumers that don't want to drink. That's one. The next is to hopefully the athleisure wear turns out to be a great thing. And, you know, I can maybe even get more exposure past QVC and yeah. go into QVC's retail stores if they have it. You know, who knows? Um, and then hopefully there's another season of our show. Um, and shit, I was supposed to be on a call. Maybe I'm not supposed to. How anyway, no, I'm not supposed to be. I don't know why he's We're good? right now. Okay. <laughs> but uh, I hope in the next year, uh, I have a comic book that actually is supposed to come out on Webtoons. So it's uh, basically me in super, superpower form, mixing Chinese astrology and Batsa. So I hope no that's the platform. Kills awesome. it, you know, like I have uh, my girlfriend who I hope to be more than my girlfriend someday soon. We can yeah, edit that out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but she knows this already, actually. So okay. it's not it's not a secret. But, um, you know, I really hope to continue my career here in L.A. as a, uh, a host and an actor. Um, nice. That's what I hope and dreams in the next year. Sounds like the flywheel is moving, you know, a lot of momentum in a lot of different departments. So much, man. It's like crazy how, you know, a lot of people say, well, you should just focus on one thing. I'm like, yeah, I am. But it has to do with my whole life, which is great. Like, I'm not just taking on stuff that's like, you know, a lot God, of these things play together. I mean, the exposure yeah. you get has runoff value to Sons and to yeah. the, the, the clothing brand. I mean, Bling Empire serves as a stage for all of that. Mm -hmm. And your audience grew crazy. I mean, last at one point it was like 150,000 followers, and then all of a sudden it's like 550,000. Yeah. No, it's it's definitely all intertwined. And so I won't. I don't usually do anything that doesn't make sense for me as a brand, as 
um, you know, I get thrown alcohol ads all the time. Now. I'm like, I can't take that. Even though it's like a lot of money. I think it's because you're doing it from a place of intuition. And this is something I'm telling my team all the time. Like, not everything can be calculated on a spreadsheet. Can't be. And, and true visionaries, I'm, I'm listening to the um, Steve Jobs autobiography. And, and his team was kicking and screaming all the way along building Apple because he did stuff all off of intuition. And look what he did. Right. And he's somebody who trusted to the like 99th percentile in his intuition. Right, right. And of course, he got fired from Apple and was rehired and all that stuff. But um, just one consideration from a marketer's perspective, you should consider doing a, a Kickstarter for Sons and getting the the sobriety community behind you. They're, the sobriety community is like very nascent, right? That group is going to have an uprising in terms of just influence and impact because there's so many people who are cleaning up and, and refreshing their souls. So I think you could get a lot of devout support for it. And I'd be happy to help not a bad call on that. put that strategy together for you just because, you know, that's something um, when you have an audience like yours, so like you've built such a, a positive impact on so many people, you've inspired so many young Asians, aspiring actors and things like that, but you've also inspired a whole community who is kind of behind the scenes in the sobriety world. And when you give them the opportunity to uh, reciprocate the value and inspiration you've given them, they're often eager to donate to a, to a cause or to donate to a Kickstarter or something like that. So I think it could have a really big impact. And I love that. I love that idea. Yeah, we're going down the traditional angel route. We're not going VC. I like to try to avoid that as much as possible just because I know that they kind of control you. Well, <laughs> Kickstarter, you don't got to give up that's what much I mean. at all. It's like, it's like basically for the community, right? Yeah. Um, no, it's a great idea. Love to explore that sometime. Literally, we just launched October 5th. So new. Oh, I didn't realize it was so new. We're so wow. new. We, we don't even have a month of revenue yet. But, you know, it looks good. It looks really good. Well, you've already got revenue. So I'm an investor in a beverage brand as well. <laughs> I don't know. It's probably eight years in and they're just hitting, you know, their stride financially. So you're definitely off to a great start. Yeah, with that. we're off to a great start. We're already getting so many people knocking on our doors, like wow. even outside of the country to bring signs there. So we're just trying to figure out how, the, how that works. Awesome, dude. Well, I'm, of course, I'm always a resource here. And, Appreciate it, John. And, um, Know, eager to share any ideas and insights that you know are relevant from my marketing experience but um anyway look i know you got a, a tight filled day so i just want to thank you for your time dude this has been this has been awesome um and i'm catching up with you yeah dude in such an la way right like, <laughs> how, do, how do friends catch up you do a podcast together <laughs> content day baby <laughs> um but yeah, dude, it's been it's been great catching up with you too, and I'm I'm a little sad that we haven't hung out more. We we get along so well, so it's definitely um, definitely man make it happen more. Let's do it. All right, bro. Well, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing your story. We'll uh, we'll put everything in the show notes. Links to Sons. Uh, Morgan, get a note. Links to Sons. Links to your QVC brand, and also uh, to to Bling Empire as well as your your social profile. And I guess one last. Um, question for you is how, how can the community support you what action can they take is it is it buying songs is yeah. it throwing a follow is it signing up for an email list what, what's the best way we can support you yeah i mean all three of it right like we have an email list but also two more important if you order songs which we'd like you to do 
give it to somebody who gift it. Okay. Who might feel ashamed or might have a problem with addiction or recovery or just might need a little bit of help in this because you have no idea just a little gift like that that could be thoughtful could be the seed that makes them makes their life better. So I would love for the community to do that. Wonderful. We will do that. Kevin, Appreciate it, man. Thank, thank you so, so much. much.